You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 80-77 to in the Crossroads Classic in a game where the Hoosiers found themselves down eight late and Jawan Morgan just absolutely took over and single-handedly gave his team a chance in the end. The Hoosiers force overtime and then make the plays late in the game to get the victory what a just a huge win for this Indiana team, a fun game, an exciting one, and a huge victory for Indiana to get for a team that has struggled in these games against good competition here in the non-conference. The Hoosiers finally get a win that can lay the foundation for an NCAA tournament resume. So a big win for so many reasons, and we are obviously very excited to break it down for you here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Ryan Phillips. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And I think it's pretty easy what the banner moment was today. It's 77-76, late in overtime, 10-11 seconds to go. Jawan Morgan at the line to shoot a free throw to tie the game. He misses it. But who comes up with the offensive rebound and creates yet another opportunity for Indiana? None other than Zach McRoberts, who played a ton of minutes today. And we're going to talk about this. His ability to play for so long with four fouls was huge because Indiana needed him out there to get that offensive board. He does. He finds Juwan Morgan streaking toward the basket. The Hoosiers go up 78-77. And then obviously Devontae Green would knock down a couple of free throws uh, a few a few seconds later to make it 80-77. to But that play, the hustle by Zach McRoberts, the presence of mind by him to find Juwan Morgan, and obviously the smarts, the recognition by Juwan Morgan to streak toward the basket, really just sums up why Indiana was able to win this game because they were able to get to some of those 50-50 balls and they were able to make smart plays and convert down by the paint late in the game. Just, just an unbelievable play and an unbelievable game for Indiana. That is our banner moment. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And if you're wondering why you should check out their website, HoosierProud.com, let me give you a few reasons. And these reasons are especially relevant now with Christmas coming up and you can still order and get stuff shipped so that you get it by Christmas. Number one, they just have a ton of designs, whether you want officially licensed Indiana gear or our assembly call t-shirts or some of their really cool Indiana uh, state-inspired uh, designs that they have there. Just so much to choose from, uh, from Hoosier Proud. So that's one reason to check them out. Another reason is that you're helping to support Indiana-based charities because Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the third reason to visit HoosierProud.com, their generosity. 
they will actually give you 15% off of your entire order. All you have to do is use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off of your order. So go check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man. I need to take a breath. <laughs> Let's get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Let's go over to Ryan for his rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. So did Jared get a paper bag and breathe into it in no. and out slowly? No, I am indulging in the excitement. We needed this. I'm going uh, all out. <laughs> look, I got I to gotta discuss Juwan Morgan. I, I mean, he continues to be uh, phenomenal. 34 points, 11 rebounds, uh, you know, playing as much as he did. He only had, he turned the ball over three times. Not what you want, but given uh, that at least one of those was an offensive foul. I'll kind of give him a break on that. Um, just a just a phenomenal game for Juwan Morgan. Uh, went toe-to-toe for most of the game with Bonzi Colson, who I believe is one of the top two or three players in the nation as far as being a good basketball player. I'm not talking about potential long-term because then you get Marvin Bagley and all those guys. No, it, just as a guy who was an outstanding basketball player, he went toe-to-toe with Bonzi Colson today. Colson finished with 29 and 11. Kudos to him. He's a phenomenal player, made some huge plays in that overtime. Um and really throughout the game, and and Colson, his free throws was eleven to thirteen. But Morgan uh, went toe to toe with him today. There's no there's no other way to put it. He you know essentially canceled out Colson and, and even bettered him by a few points. Um, and, he, and as you said, he continues to do the smart things like that cut to the basket at the end when he missed that free throw. He didn't get discouraged and hang out on the free throw line. He saw McRoberts get the ball immediately, dove to the basket. It was a backdoor cut. Nobody saw him. Dunked it home, and that that wins the game for you. Um, so just that that's my guy today. I I mean I'm sure he's your guy too. That's everybody's pick. You know, for, yeah, do we for need to? Game, game balls today. <laughs> I, I mean, well, I think there are two guys who get game balls today. We can discuss it. You yeah. can take Morgan later. Um, but I, I just absolutely think that he played his best game today, and and he's making me look real smart because this is the beginning of the year. If he had a great year, he, we this might be his last season in the in candy stripe pants, and and it's starting to look like that's the kind of guy he is, and that he has just you know taken his game to a completely other level. And the last thing I'll say about this is. Archie Miller, this team does not stop fighting. That right. is the, you know, it doesn't matter if they're out talented, outgunned, if they're down, if they foul out, they do not stop fighting. And that was evident again today. Uh, got down as much as I think five at one point in the overtime and still kept fighting. You get down five in overtime for the most part, especially if you're not a three point shooting team, game's over. And, and they just kept pushing, kept fighting did not give up and and you know it's clear what kind of team this is and they're going to fight all year they may not have pretty wins they may not have blowout wins but they are going to fight no matter what the score is and no matter how much time's left no question man i mean this team is frustrating it struggles offensively it's so flawed you know deron davis does almost nothing today but you're this right, was a they bad matchup keep... for deron i'll say that right now this was a bad we can talk about it. this was a bad matchup for deron okay but you still expect a guy like Duran to get more than two points. And for him not to, you know, to basically no show and for Indiana to, like you said, still just fight and scratch and claw, just such an impressive victory. And, you know, let's linger on Juwan Morgan for just a little bit. <laughs> I imagine we're going to spend a lot of time talking about him today. But, you know, Ryan, it was 61 to 53. And I mean, not only were things looking bleak, but Jawan Morgan had to go to the locker room. It looked like he tweaked his hamstring. And, you know, I kind of joked yeah. that the banner moment was going to be Jawan checking back into the game. And, and at that point, I didn't think we were going to come back and win. But I just thought, OK, at least that proves that whatever this injury was, it's not that severe. He's in because, man, can you imagine this team without him moving forward? 
And then for him to do what he did after that, I mean, he went on a personal 12 to four run. It was 61 53. He outscores Notre Dame 12 to four, scoring all the points for Indiana, getting rebounds. I mean, just making play after play after play to force overtime. And, you know, I know sometimes in moments like this, you can kind of get caught up in the moment and be the prisoner of the moment a little bit. But, you know, I'm trying to think of a more impressive stretch of basketball in a bigger moment just by one guy than what Juwan turned in. And it didn't end in regulation. He kept doing it in overtime. I mean, you know, the numbers are phenomenal. And I almost am not sure that they do justice to just how well he played, especially in winning time, because, you know, no one else was really stepping up and he just took it upon himself to to kind of drag this team across the finish line. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you can think of an individual performance like that in recent memory, but for him to do what he did, I mean, it was just it, it was phenomenal. And I'm not sure that there are enough superlatives uh, to describe what Juwan did the final five minutes of regulation yeah, and into overtime. I mean, the last guy I can think of who did anything like that, and I can't think of a specific game, but I just remember watching stretches of Victor Oladipo play where you just knew he was going to make something happen, you know, and that was the thing with Juwan. As soon as he got the ball, yeah. you had confidence that he was going to find a way to get to the hoop and make a basket. And and he had con- the biggest key is that he had confidence. I mean, you know, yeah. he got the ball against Bonzi Colson in the post and he was just like, OK, I'm going to dribble three times and I'm going to I'm going to make a hook shot here. Or I'm going to go off the glass. And um, so I, I just. I think that we're looking at that kind of development for a guy where he's just becoming the reliable guy down low. And, and um, you know, if he can hit it, if he can hit jumpers a little more consistently, you're looking at a guy who can be, you know, one of the better players in the Big Ten. It's funny that you mentioned Oladipo because the game that kept coming to mind was that game at Michigan State in 2013 when Victor just kept making play after play at the end of that Michigan State game when we finally beat them in the Breslin Center. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't single-handedly kind of like Juwan did today, but that's kind of what it reminded me of. Just just going out and making plays and finding a way. Just, I mean, just uh, such a terrific performance from Juwan uh, all around, and we will uh, we will keep talking about him. But you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's thrilling 80-77 to victory over Notre Dame. You know, I don't know what it is about these, like, season-saving games against Notre Dame and the Crossroads Classic, but no matter how much they get up, it seems like somehow Indiana's just able to get themselves back in the game. Did it a couple years ago, obviously, uh, when kind of all hope looked lost, and then Troy Williams just brings Indiana back at the start of the yeah. second half. And you know, I think we scored the final eight points of regulation in that one, so uh, history kind of repeating itself here a little bit. Let's talk about the other guy that I think we both will agree, uh, you know, deserves some kind of game ball. Uh, And we're going to get to Robert Johnson in a minute because I thought his shooting early in the second half kept Indiana in it. And his turnovers almost took him right back out of it. But it was nice to see Robert get back going. But before we get to him, let's talk a little bit more about Zach McRoberts because we spent some time on the radio show, you know, in our stock up segment talking about Zach McRoberts and how Archie Miller said he's earned more time. He's going to get more minutes. And the reasoning was just that, you know, he can count on Zach. He knows what Zach is going to do. Zach goes out there and makes hustle plays and and creates additional opportunities for his team, whether he's, you know, tapping the ball out or grabbing an offensive board or being in the right position on defense. And he probably played one of the most impactful one-point games that you're going to see because he had three assists, he had nine rebounds, and seven of them were offensive. And when you think back to how Indiana started the game, you know, struggling offensively, one of the only ways they were getting offense was Zach McRoberts getting offensive rebounds or tipping the ball over to Juwan Morgan and then Juwan finishing. And he just kept doing it. And, you know, I think he picked up his fourth foul 
I don't know, maybe with five or six minutes left in regulation, it was something like that. Uh, you know, and I remember thinking, man, you know, I never thought that you'd look at foul trouble and Zach McRoberts having four fouls and you'd think, man, what are we going to do with him out of the game? <laughs> but it, but, but when you watch the game flow, he always seemed to be involved in the big stretches, you know, when Indiana was getting things done and, and you could just tell how important he was. And for him to make that play at the end, you know, I hope that's one of those plays that everybody takes notice of, you know, and anybody, I, I think Indiana fans are smart enough at this point. We all know why Zach McRoberts is playing and how important he, he has become to this team. But what I love about it is he embodies what Archie Miller wants this program to be about. And even though, you know, Duran is more talented and Justin Smith is more talented and these other guys are more talented. McRoberts is doing the things Archie Miller is asking. He's rewarding him with playing time. And then Zach McRoberts is rewarding him right back by making game winning plays. I love that. And I thought Zach McRoberts was absolutely huge today. Yeah, I look nine rebounds for Zach McRoberts and seven of them were offensive rebounds. I mean, that's you know, that's stuff you can't teach. That's just an ability to be in the right place. Three assists, uh, a block, only one turnover. Um, for a guy who doesn't play, who hasn't played very much coming into this, you know, last stretch of play, he's just doing everything right. I mean, you really wish that could figure out a way to hit a shot or two. Uh, because then he, then if he could hit a shot, then you're talking about maybe a guy who should be starting. I mean, given his his ability to affect the game when he's in there without scoring, uh, just an impressive performance. I mean, that's that's you know as impactful a one point game as you'll ever see, as you said, and and uh, just a guy who was always in the right place at the right time, and then made the biggest play of the game, getting that offensive rebound. You don't get that offensive rebound, then you're sending a very good free throw shooting Notre Dame team to the line, uh, you know, to shoot free throws. He he makes he gets that offensive rebound. Ponzi Colson doesn't box him out, goes for the ball. Ball bounces out. He jumps up, grabs it in traffic, grabs it, and then in traffic again, finds a wide open guy for a dunk. I mean, that's just that's the kind of stuff that you can't teach, and that is is all instinct. And uh, you know, I, kudos to Zach for for getting it done. Yep. All right. The one other guy I want to talk about before we move to our next segment is Robert Johnson, who you know, look, the turnovers. You know, we mentioned those. He had six turnovers. So many of them were of kind of the head slapping variety, had a carry, had two times where he stepped on the sideline, you know, just the kind of turnovers that you can't have from a scene. I thought the the second time he didn't step on the sideline, I thought that was a bad call. I thought his foot was off the ground, but yeah, go on. But, you know, either way, even without that, too many turnovers. But still, on balance, this was a really important game for Robert Johnson because he scored 20 points. And, you know, it kind of feels like a quiet 20 now in the shadow of what Juwan Morgan did. But those were huge buckets in the second half. And and I'm going to get to a couple of those in the meaningful moments that you might have missed coming up because I thought, uh, you know, a lot of those shots were when Notre Dame, because what you saw a lot in the second half was, you know, Indiana would get it to one or two and then they would shoot themselves in the foot and Notre Dame would make a couple of buckets and extend it out. And finally there at the end, you know, when it was an eight point game and, you know, Juwan brought him back, uh, they were able to, to get it all the way to getting tied and eventually obviously take the lead. But for a while there, Notre Dame just kept pushing it out. And Robert was the one guy there in a, you know, kind of the early and mid part of the second half who was willing to step up and take big shots. And, it's funny, I talked about on the halftime report, you know, you'll remember that Robert kind of drained that that 70 foot shot at the buzzer at halftime that didn't count. And I was saying, you know, maybe there's a lesson in there that, you know, that shot, he just kind of flung it up. He didn't think about it. It was all muscle memory. He wasn't, you know, he didn't look like he was straining, like he has looked a lot of times when he's shooting threes. And, you know, so I don't know of anything about that shot, you know, kind of triggered something in his head to, hey, let me just go out and shoot the ball. 
but he certainly seemed to shoot a lot more fluid, a lot more relaxed in the second half. And him going five for 10 from downtown was really important. You know, Indiana overall goes eight of 21 from downtown, and that's only 38%, but they missed their first, you know, four, five, six shots from deep. And so they really, you know, shot about 50% thereafter. And it just shows you as important as Juwan Morgan's game inside was, as important as what Zach McRoberts did, Indiana doesn't win this game if they don't start making some threes because those kept Notre Dame at arm's length when they needed them. And I thought it was really big for Robert coming on the heels of that Louisville game to step up and score 20 really important points and also to have four assists and six rebounds, not to mention the defense he played, which was really good. So on balance, a strong bounce back day from Robert. Well, I think it's, it's worth noting that Robert Johnson didn't score uh, he had a three from at the 455 mark and didn't score after that through overtime, through everything. So if you look at the amount of time he was scoring, it was incredibly important. It wasn't like it was spread out throughout the game. He kept Indiana in the game, as, as you said, and played very well. Now, there's still stuff to work on with Robert. He's got to continue to get better offensively. Um, you know, this this can't be the kind of thing where they said, oh, yeah, he had a great game and then, you know. That's good. You know, he's got to continue to get better and continue to work. Uh, but, you know, at one point they were down 50 to 59 to 50 with five minutes left. And he had a three that, that cut it to six. Um, and, and that was kind of a big momentum builder. And then, of course, Joan Morgan, you know, sort of took off after that. So uh, I think that it's worth noting that his stretch of good play really helped keep Indiana in the game, as you said. Yeah, and hold that thought because you just mentioned one of them, but there were others. And so I want to highlight some of these threes that Robert made in our meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers. That is next on The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's extremely important and thrilling and exciting 80 to 77 victory over the Notre Dame fighting Irish today in the Crossroads Classic. The Hoosiers move to six and five and finally get that first big win that they can kind of hang their hat on after playing, you know, some of these tougher teams close. Just a huge win for Indiana. And it's time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And we just got done talking about Robert Johnson and, and the timing of some of his shots. Well, uh, let's break that down a little bit further because he came out at the start of the second half and drains a three, which immediately took a 31 to 25 lead and made it 31 28. And I thought you know, Indiana got off to a nice start there the first couple of minutes of the second half on that 5 0 run. And it capped what they had done in the first half and made it a 16 to three run overall. But as Notre Dame would continue to do throughout the day, Indiana gets it to one. 
and they then go on a quick run of their own. And they actually went on a super quick run and pushed it out to 44 to 31. They were up 13. And it really felt at that point, just like it did when it was 28-14 in the first half, like things are kind of teetering. And, you know, here we go. Is Indiana going to have enough firepower? Who steps up and makes a three? Robert Johnson. He makes one and makes it 44-34. to That then got Indiana going a little bit, and they would eventually get it back to 44-40. to Another big play is when it was 49-42, to and you'll remember the play where uh, Indiana played pretty solid defense on Fluger, and there was a whistle, a whistle. And initially, it was called a foul, and then the official from the other side came in and reversed it to a travel. And that ended up being a really big call because instead of giving Notre Dame the ball back with the seven-point lead, Indiana gets it, Robert comes down, drains another big three, and it goes from a seven-point lead to a four-point lead. But once again, Notre Dame would extend the lead back out and it's 59 to 50. And again, you know, that came on the heels of an 8-1 run to Notre Dame. And I've got on my notes here, you know, 8-1 run since it was 51-49. Can we respond? And the first part of that was response, Ryan, as you mentioned earlier, was Robert Johnson again, draining a number, another three. He gets it to 59-53 with five minutes to go. Uh, and it was a really nice pass by Deron Davis, by the way. And so again, Robert just kind of kept Indiana at arm's length and then, obviously, we talked about Juwan Morgan and what he was able to do in terms of closing the deal. But there wouldn't have been a deal to close for Juwan Morgan and for Zach McRoberts there at the end of overtime if Robert Johnson doesn't step up and make some of these shots. So for a guy who has really been maligned, who has really struggled, hopefully he can take some confidence from what happened there in the second half because that's the kind of Robert Johnson Indiana needs. You know, obviously, Indiana really needs Robert, Juwan, and Duran all playing at a high level to win some of these big games. But today, Juwan and Robert were, were able to make enough shots to kind of offset Duran not really being able to have a good game. So again, kudos to Robert and just the timing of those shots was really, really important. Any any other big moments for you, Ryan, that, that kind of step up as you uh, as you reflect on the game? I mean, it's not one that you might have missed, but it was that offensive rebound by Zach McRoberts. No, I I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm still stuck on that one. No, I, I think that just there were some plays late where Indiana defensively stepped up and made it really difficult for Notre Dame to get a good shot. And, and yeah. you saw bon Bonzi Colson attempting fadeaways, and you saw Matt Farrell trying to force passes in where there weren't any, uh, where there wasn't any room. I, I just think that in general, down the stretch, that last five minutes, um, I, I don't know if it's a meaningful moment you might have missed, but it was the, that last stretch. It just they were making it exceedingly difficult on Notre Dame to get something good. Uh, from their offense and and that's a team that runs and ex, you know runs its offense exceptionally well it is well designed they are well coached uh and and they attack the hoop you know with regularity and get open looks and and indiana's defense i think was the story of this game i know we're talking juan morgan we're talking zach McRoberts, but i think indiana's defense was the story of the game to keep them yeah. uh you know from getting what they want no, you're absolutely right. And we're going to we're going inside the numbers and we're going to talk defense in just a second. A couple more plays I want to highlight. I thought the three-pointer that Devontae Green hit when it was 73 to 69 was really big. That made it 73 to 72. Uh, and that came on the heels of a really bad sequence for Devontae where he took a quick shot and fouled Colson yeah, from the basket. He had a real bad stretch there for a bit. He did, but to his credit, he came back and made a really, really big shot, which was nice to see. And then, you know, look, kudos to Deron Davis because he hadn't, he, you know, probably hadn't gotten off the bench in like 30 minutes of actual time. And he goes in and Indiana goes right to him and he scores, uh, which made it 75 to 74. So that was big too. But let's talk about the defense because I thought, 
you know, there was a stretch of, the, the way Indiana started in the first half for about the first eight, nine minutes. I thought it was some of the best defense that we've seen from an Indiana team in a long, long time because, you know, context is important here. And, you know, yeah, Notre Dame finishes with 77 points, but that's 77 points in overtime. And remember, this is one of the best offenses in the country. And you could see that in spurts. You know, we talked about how Notre Dame would just explode for these 10, 12 point runs. And you can see how well they can shoot. You know, they've obviously got versatility. They've got a good point guard. But really, Indiana was just really solid. You know, Archie talked about, you know, the emphasis this week really big was transition defense. And for the most part, Indiana played pretty solid transition defense outside of a few possessions where, you know, it was just a really bad turnover or a really bad shot. The Hoosiers played pretty good defense. And the other thing that Archie wanted to do was, you know, really try to defend Matt Farrell well in the ball screens and try and frustrate him. And, you know, Farrell did finish with 15 points and had eight assists, but it took him 14 shots to do it. And he was out there for basically the entire game. And so I think for Indiana to do that and really make him work for the points that he got, I thought was really impressive. And just, you know, look, Indiana defended a lot of that game. Uh, you know, without their big guy out there, because you had a lot of lineups where it was Morgan and Hartman and McRoberts playing. And obviously Notre Dame doesn't have great size, uh, but still I, I thought that showed, you know, really just solid, smart team defense, better rotations. And the defense is far from perfect. We know that, but I really feel like every game we're seeing growth and we're seeing, you know, this Archie Miller imprint come in to where I'm starting to actually feel more confident that when we need to get a stop, we're going to be able to get one. And that's really good to see. And it's nice to see some of the numbers starting to catch up a little bit with what the eyes are telling us in terms of the defensive improvement. Yeah. And if you look at it, you know, one of the bugaboos for Indiana has been closing out to three point shooters and today, eight of 24, 33% for Notre Dame, not great, nothing special. Indiana hit eight threes in, uh, themselves and actually shot a better percentage in Notre Dame from the field, 41% for Notre Dame. That's not what Notre Dame does. And, and uh, you know, they did send Notre Dame to the line 26 times. Uh, a lot of those late. <laughs> and we've, we've talked about that and the frustrating officiating. I'm sure we'll, we don't need to discuss that because my blood pressure was high enough. Um, but yeah, no, let's I, have fun. Let's have fun today. Let's yeah, not dwell yeah. on the negatives. So, it, you know, holding Notre Dame to 41%. I mean, holding Bonzi goals in nine of 21 from the field. I mean, that's a decent day, but that's not what he usually does. And again, Farrell, two of eight from three, five of 14 from the field. Those are their two guys. And, and you held them uh, to, you know, reasonable numbers. And, and again, the 41% from the field, I'm going to say that how many times was Notre Dame contested on a shot? It looked like it was pretty much all day. They were at least contested. Even if they got open, it, the closeout was at least close to it. You weren't seeing wide open looks for long stretches of games. And, and I think that it's just another uh, sort of evolution of this team getting slowly better. And, and you know, when Brian Tonsoni was on the radio show two weeks ago, we talked about how closing out to shooters was the last part of the pack line defense that needs to be developed. You work from the inside out and I feel like they're finally getting there and they're finally closing out to three point shooters the way they should. And they're finally frustrating three point shooters the way they should. And it's been a long stretch. Indiana fans know they've struggled guarding the three, but it's slowly, slowly getting better. And, and, you're starting to see it. And this is a great Notre Dame. This is a really good Notre Dame team. This is a Notre Dame team that, quite frankly, has the talent, has the ability to make a deep run in the tournament. And and Indiana was right there with them, fought them, and then beat them at the end. 
Yep. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's 80 to 77 victory over Notre Dame. Ryan, let's go inside the numbers and let's talk about those defensive numbers because, again, context is important here. Notre Dame entered the game eighth in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, going for 1.18 points per possession. In today's game, Indiana held Notre Dame to 1.05 points per possession, which is huge. I mean, just an absolutely wonderful job and a big reason why they were able to do that. You mentioned the field goal percentage. Notre Dame, again, a top 20 team in terms of effective field goal percentage. An effective field goal percentage is where you're given extra credit for making threes. And their effective field goal percentage coming into the game, 57.8%. In this game, Indiana held them to 47.5% for an effective field goal percentage. By contrast, Indiana's effective field goal percentage in today's game was 56.4%. And if you told me that there would be almost a 10-point difference in effective field goal percentage and that Indiana would be the one in the advantage, I probably would have said you were crazy because none of the numbers suggested that that would be the case. But there it was Saturday afternoon uh, in Banker's Life Fieldhouse. And the other number that we have to talk about, Ryan, and it was so important to what Indiana did defensively, because you talked about the contested shots, and that's all well and good. But if you're giving up second chance points and then allowing you know the other team to just get the rebound and score, then it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Well, Indiana rebounded to the tune of 82.1% of their defensive rebounds. In other words, they only allowed Notre Dame to get seven offensive rebounds, which is just a magnificent job on the defensive glass. You know, they'd contest the shot. It would go up, they would miss it, and Indiana would come down with the rebound. And it was especially true late. And Jawan Morgan, some of the rebounds that he got late in the game, I mean, those were those were big yeah, boy, huge. those were a man's rebounds. And and I mean, those were just absolutely huge. So those are the big numbers that jump out to me. What else jumps out from the stat sheet, Ryan? I mean, just straight up rebounds, 41 to 32, Indiana won. And and Notre Dame's not a phenomenal rebounding team. They're a good rebounding team, but they're not a great rebounding team. Also, 16 assists on 27 field goals made. Uh, Notre Dame only had 14 assists. Um turnovers 16, but a lot of those came late. I thought for long stretches of the game, Indiana did not turn the ball over, which was positive. Uh, personal fouls, IU 23, Notre Dame 21. It was close. Free throws 25, 26. Uh, uh, IU shot one fewer free throw. So I thought that they, you know, in all the numbers, they kept even with Notre Dame pretty much across the board, uh, except for the turnovers. Notre Dame only had nine, Indiana had 16. But other than that, I, I thought that Indiana really competed and and i i said this i was talking to the other night uh with andy and and uh, and you on the radio show was i thought that indiana matched up really well with notre dame i thought notre dame was a better team but i thought that if you looked at the lineups and you looked at the matchups they were pretty even and, and these are guys that you know indiana can compete with one-on-one -on -one. the question is Notre Dame was a, had been a better team and had played better together and i thought that today indiana stepped up and matched them you know Right across, you know, just looking across the line, you know, uh, Morgan matched Colson. You know, you got Deron Davis and Gebbin sort of matched each other off. You've got Farrell and 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 Robert Johnson sort of matching up. I mean, you know, just looking across the way, who's better than who? I thought talent wise, it's pretty even. It's just a matter of who wants to to win this game and who's going to play harder. And Notre Dame had played better throughout the year. So uh, kudos to Indiana for stepping up and beating what had been a better team, if you put quotes around the word team, uh, yeah. all year. 
Yeah, you know, the other number that's interesting is three-fifths of Indiana's starting lineup contributed a grand total of seven points. Al Durham, Josh Newkirk, and Deron Davis, a total of seven points. And so, obviously, the guys off the bench were huge. And Devontae Green, you know, scored 12 points, had some some questionable shot selection in there. but He still had, a Devontae, he had, a, he had a Devontae Green game is what, you're, what I think you're trying to say. He did. There. I mean, but that's Devontae. And look, we know that for Indiana to win some of these big games, he's going to have to play minutes because he'll go out there and make plays. Now, you know, his defense still but, leaves a lot to be desired for me. His guy blows by him too much. He, he still doesn't seem to understand quite what a good shot is. But we mentioned the three-pointer that he made that was absolutely huge. And Indiana doesn't have a lot of guys on its roster who are willing to step up and take and can make that shot. And so that was I, big. Let me just say this about Devontae. He is the most freshman-y sophomore I've ever seen in my life. Like a talented guy. It's <laughs> a great like description. He, he reminds me of like a four-star freshman that comes in really touted for his playmaking ability and then plays like a freshman. I mean, because you get the talent. You absolutely get the talent and the ability to break things down and the and the way that he can change the game and sort of you know be the straw that stirs the drink and get things moving. But my goodness, some of the decisions he makes are so freshman. You know, there was the one time where he jumped like he was going to pass it to the outside. It was covered, and he just decided to shoot on his way down in midair. I mean, it's and and they even mentioned on the broadcast they're like, yeah, that was an afterthought shot. Like he just he <laughs> jumped, and didn't even think there was a chance in heck that he was going to shoot it. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to shoot it. You know, and and yeah, uh, I. I uh, I, I don't want to admit this, but I might have thrown something across the room when that happened. But I, <laughs> like, it, it's just, you know, but the thing is, is that there's so much that he provides that is veteran and it, it, it is, you know, he's got so much confidence and it's almost like he has no shame. It's not embarrassing at all how much confidence he has. So uh, big fan of, of what he can do most of the time. The question is sort of reigning in those, reigning in the id, I guess, if you want to get psychological about it. Yes. <laughs> it's just rain in the, oh my God, I can do everything. It's like, yeah, Dante, let's just pull on that chain just a little bit and rein it back in, buddy. Yes. All right. You are listening to the assembly call coming up here. Let's step back, talk a little bit more about the importance of this victory and then break down some of the other storylines that we haven't gotten to yet. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's huge 80-77 to victory over Notre Dame. And Ryan, let's talk about the many, many reasons why this win is important. Obviously, if Andy were here, we would talk to him about the NCAA tournament importance. You know, for a team that's five and five with a bad loss to Indiana State, no big wins yet to hang their hat on. This is huge to add some weight to the NCAA tournament resume. There's now a win away from Assembly Hall, and that's probably the most important element of this win is it's a top 25 caliber team, you know, a team that should be you know, gunning for a, a top four or five seed in the tournament in Notre Dame, and you beat them away from Assembly Hall. And that's really important to show the committee that you can win games away from home. And so that's number one. But you know, where I really look at the importance of this game, what I think is the biggest the biggest area and reason why this game has so much meaning is, you know, for a new coach trying to instill a new system and all the ups and downs and the frustrations, 
being able to go out and get this win and to do it the way Indiana did it, which is, you know, we're going to hang around and we're going to be in this game because of defense. And then we're going to make the plays late by playing solid, playing together, you know, feeding our guy in Jawan Morgan and then win the 50-50 balls and get the hustle plays because Indiana doesn't win this without Zach McRoberts. And so for any anybody on the bench who might have been wondering, you know, why is Zach McRoberts playing over me? They don't have to wonder anymore because there's going to be a whole lot of evidence on film when they watch it that the guy who's out there, you know, just gritting it and making those Archie Miller type plays, that's why he's out there. And so I think for Archie as he looks to earn the trust of his team and build confidence in the new system, now they actually have a win. You know, it's not this kind of feel-good loss to Duke, and it's not, well, we competed against Louisville, and, you know, Robert didn't score, so that was kind of good. This is a win, a huge win, and I just think, you know, I mean, shoot, us as fans, we're going to take a lot of confidence from it, but for what it's going to do for those guys in the locker room uh, and for the team going forward, I think it's really important to get a win like that before you get into Big Ten play, you know, and obviously start playing game in, game out, teams that are of a much higher caliber. You're oh, muted. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, look, this team was always going to make the tournament based on Big Ten play. I mean, I know that you need to have an out of conference win. You just do against against a top level opponent, and um, and so they got that today. But this is going to depend on the Big Ten for Indiana. How Indiana does in the Big Ten will determine whether they get to the tournament, the NIT, or miss it altogether. Um, so, yes, it's great for confidence, and it's great for an example of. You know, I think that we've missed this the last few years in, um, you know, defensively, you look at it and like, look, you play hard defensively, you can have an average day offensively and win a game against a good team, not against a bad team. It's a bad team. You can have a bad day offensively if you play good defense. Um, but I think that you just look at this and you say, look, Indiana had a decent day at 49% from the field, um, 38% from three turn the ball over too much. Um, but they beat a team that, you know, is projected by many to be an elite eight final four caliber team. If things break right for them and be a competitor in the ACC because of defense, because they stepped up and played defensively. And, and that's the message Archie Miller can send is like, look, there is far less pressure on the offense to be perfect. If you play good defense and that's what we saw today. And, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things where, these guys just have to continue to realize that the harder you work defensively and the better you play defensively, the easier the offense is. I mean, you're not under pressure every time you go on offense to score a basket. You can have, you know, okay possessions where you take a shot that maybe isn't perfect and, and you know, make up for it on the other end. So, I, you know, it, I know what Archie is, is going to say after this is like, look, here's the evidence that I, what I've been trying to tell you about defense and, and, you can play with anybody if you compete defensively. And this is your example. I mean, we saw it against Duke at times too, um, but this is an even clearer example of that because you took one of the most efficient teams offensively and turned them inside out. And and just by playing hard and playing focused and playing smart. Yeah. You know, one other guy that I want to talk about as, as we start going through some of these other guys is Colin Hartman. And this is not a huge game for Hartman. He had six points, had one assist, you know, obviously fouled out. You know, maybe some questionable foul calls there in the second half, but we can we talk about you that think? another day. We don't want to. We don't want to dwell on that. Indiana won the game. If if they had lost, maybe we talk more about the foul calls. But I want to go back to the first half. You know, it's so easy in a game like this that goes to overtime, and it's so thrilling. And there's just there's big moment after big moment piled on that you can forget about some of the big moments from the first half. 
And I thought there was a sequence. It was it was 22-14. And, you know, Indiana had played pretty well, but Notre Dame just went on this little scoring streak. And then, boom, they hit two threes. And now, all of a sudden, it's 28-14. And it's like, man, you know, a couple minutes ago, it felt like we were right in this game. We're playing solid. And now Notre Dame's up 14, and it was really kind of the first time in the game, and there would be others later, as we talked about, but the first time in the game where it really kind of thought felt like things were teetering a little bit. And just as Robert Johnson did in the second half, I thought it was huge that Colin Hartman, a senior in a big game away from home, stepped up and made a three. And that made it 28-17, settled things down just a little bit, and from that point forward, Indiana would go on a quick eight to three run. Hartman would uh, drain another three to make it 31 to 25. And that ended up being the, the deficit that Indiana went into halftime with. But I thought all things considered, you had to feel pretty good being down just six based on where you were when it was 28 to 14. And I thought the way that Colin Hartman bookended that run with two threes, when again, no one else was making shots was really big. So not a lot of scoring for Colin Hartman. You know, frankly, Zach McRoberts kind of did a lot of the Colin Hartman things in the second half. But the buckets that Hartman was able to make in the first half were really, really important. And that's what you want seniors to do. You know, step up and make those really big shots when someone's got to make a play. Uh, and he did that. And, you know, again, some of his shot selection, even, even for Hartman, was a little questionable in the second half. But those two threes in the first half were really big. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like when Colin Hartman steps up to to shoot a three, you just feel confidence going to go in. And he was only two of six today, but you just have that confidence that like, okay, well, if he's deciding to shoot this, he's going to make it, you know, because you just trust his judgment so much. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. He played 29. Zach McGarner's played 31 today. Uh, and then Josh Newkirk only got nine minutes because of foul trouble. And Devontae Green stepped up and played 36. Um, so I, I think all of those guys sort of contributing their little bits here and there uh, were what helped keep Indiana in the game for long stretches. So, uh, yeah, uh, not hit Colin's best game, um, but at the same time, I feel like you're right. Zach McRoberts stepped up and did a lot of his duty, uh, and then Colin had his moments uh, where he really helped keep the game close. Couple other individuals that, that we can talk about. You know, you mentioned Newkirk, you know, wasn't really able to get anything going and did have a few rebounds and a couple of assists. I thought Al Durham uh played okay in his minutes, didn't turn the ball over, had a couple of nice drives to the basket where he got fouled. Uh, and in particular, those, those came toward the start of the second half. And that was that was nice to see. But Deron Davis is the other guy that we have to talk about. You know, Deron does not play very much. How many minutes did he end up playing? Eighteen. Uh, yeah, so 18 minutes. And normally, if Deron Davis is only playing 18 minutes, you're thinking, okay, he got in foul trouble. And he did get into foul trouble in the first half, and that's a big part of the reason why he didn't play that much. But he didn't pick up any more fouls. And frankly, it just felt like in the second half, you know, Archie was just like, look, we're, we're getting better production from other guys, and this smaller lineup is functioning better. I'm just going to roll with that. And it was nice that, you know, that he brought Deron in late, and that was obviously in part because guys fouled out. And it was nice that Deron stayed locked into the game and was able to score that big bucket. Uh, and, and he had a couple of nice assists. But you come into a game like this and you say Deron Davis is going to get you two points and three rebounds, you're not thinking you're going to have much of a chance against Notre Dame. But you know, unlike what Indiana wasn't able to do against Louisville, which was overcome a really poor showing from one of its top three players, they were able to do it today in overcoming Duran. Now, you mentioned earlier that you just thought this was a really bad matchup for Duran. Uh, I would, I would, and you are probably right, and I want to give you a chance to explain yourself. I will counter that, preempt it only by saying, I think Duran needs to be a little bit more matchup proof 
than than what he was today and be able to give you more than two points and three boards. I mean, that's fine, but I, I just think there's a reason he only played 18 minutes. And I also think that, you know, you look at Notre Dame's lineup, that is a lineup built to go small. I don't think there was a good matchup for Duran defensively um, because all of Notre Dame's bigs play out on the perimeter. And that's not Duran's strength guarding out there. And, and, and yeah, I, I know that he's going to have to do that more, but I just think in the flow of this game, it was better for Indiana to go smaller, use, Morgan inside instead of Duran, uh, because Morgan can step out, make plays on the perimeter also, and and sort of get the matchups he wants. I mean, you're not going to have Duran go against Bonzi Colson because Colson will go to the perimeter and just drive by him. And so I just think that you know everything is going to be defense first for Indiana. And I think that when you look at what the matchup was today, it was just a difficult matchup for Duran. I I, I would have said that I said that coming into this game. You know, and it, somebody asked me about it on Twitter, and I mentioned it. I just thought that this wasn't his game. And it's one thing where you can get established offensively early and maybe just continue to go to him and pound him inside. But then defensively, you've got to be able to answer. And I think that, you know, the way this team is built is going to be defense first. And I just thought it was an awkward matchup for him. It was better for Indiana to slide someone like McRoberts uh, or Hartman in the starting lineup, move Morgan down to sort of that post position even though he's not really playing in the post necessarily but just kind of shift that direction um and, and it worked out and and i think if you're duran you look at this as and if you're a fan also you look at this as okay this is a one-off this isn't what's going to happen moving forward uh duran is the starting post guy and we're going to establish him and, and use him in that in that area but i thought that today it just was a bad matchup given the ability of notre dame's base to step out on the perimeter and make things happen and then you know the inability um or the ability of notre dame defensively to sort of harass him in the post and make it difficult so i i just think that it was a bad matchup i don't, I don't think this is something where you look at it and think oh what's wrong with the run i just think it's a one-off game um if this becomes a pattern then yeah it's an issue but i i don't see this becoming a pattern i just think no, the way notre dame plays this just fits uh, the way to counter them best was to go smaller and, and to use Morgan in the in the interior. Now, I agree with you, and I, and I thought it made sense why Indiana went that way. I just would have liked to see him find a way to be more productive in the 18 minutes that he was sure. out there. In his defense, you know, they did the little cut into Archie in the huddle in the first half, and he certainly made it sound like he thought Duran was open and guys just weren't getting him the ball. You know, and so that could be part it's of it difficult. too. But you know, I mean, you don't think of Notre Dame as a team with a ton of length, but they have guys who aren't super tall, who are incredibly long, and and it's hard to pass against guys with long arms. It really isn't. Bonzi Colson is six foot five, maybe, but he's got a seven one wingspan. I mean, you know, if he's guarding your guy and he's putting an arm out there, it's hard to get the ball past that guy. You know, yeah. and so it's about you know that's why it was easier to enter the post through the perimeter dribbling down as they started to do with Morgan, get him on the wing, you know, maybe a few steps out off the block, get him the ball. And then he would back Colson down as opposed to just having a typical post entry uh, when Colson was guarding him. So it, you notice they started to do that more and more late in the second half and into overtime, just get Morgan, the ball, maybe near the free throw line or out on the perimeter and let him just back Colson down because passing it in there is difficult when a guy has, you know, go go gadget arms and, and yeah. so um I, I think that had a lot to do with it and it's just again an awkward matchup for duran i'm not worried about it i don't think that's you know something that that will be a concern moving forward you're listening to the assembly call iu post game show i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips talking about indiana's 80 to 77 victory over notre dame you know and ryan one of the other things i noticed especially down the stretch 
there were these moments where Archie Miller would signal something to the referees and they would stop play and Indiana would go over and regroup and set up. I think they're called timeouts that Indiana was using there at the end of what? the game. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of crazy like to, uh, to see, you know, You're managing, more, so managing the game like that. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, some, there's a couple schools of thought there, you know, some people say, Hey, let's, you know, let's go, let's get a shot, uh, you know, before the defense has a chance to get set. But with how up and down this team has been offensively, and obviously today, Jawan Morgan showed that he's got the mentality to be a go-to guy. But still, you know, with the guys on the perimeter, it still seems like they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, who's going to take it and who's going to step up. I like the fact that Archie didn't leave it to the guys just kind of playing on instinct and, and, and called timeouts, set up some plays. And it was really, really effective. And that's something that we haven't seen. And I, you know, kind of make that joke to, to start this out. But again, you know, there's some people who do it the other way. But I really think with this particular team, micromanaging a little bit late was smart. Uh, and it really seemed to pay dividends for Indiana. And I thought Archie Miller made some good calls there. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. I actually, speaking of timeouts, I was interested, you know, kind of interested that Mike Bray, who is phenomenal at drawing up plays. I mean, we, I've, we've seen that over the years. He's just, he's an extremely good coach and he's really good at getting timeouts, getting his guys settled and getting him into something offensively. I was surprised late on after Morgan had his dunk to give Indiana the lead that he didn't call a timeout and draw something up. And I was actually afraid he was going to do it. I was like, oh man, there's too much time left. He's going to draw something up. And he didn't. And I was really surprised there. Maybe only one timeout with that much time. You figure if you miss, you want to get a timeout and you know if you foul and, and set something up there. But uh, he just decided to go for it. And, and he has a veteran team, so maybe that's why. Uh, you know, you just trust them to make the play. But I agree. I thought Archie did a really good job of of managing the game. And and at times where it was maybe getting a little bit away from IU, he, he called the timeout, regrouped, ran a play, you know, get something going to the hoop, you know, get fouled or, or get a bucket. And you saw on the, on the play where Morgan got it late when they were down three, they set up a play for him, got him going to the hoop. He picked up a, uh, he picked up a block from Matt Farrell, which, I thought should have been a no call, but I'll take it because it gave us a three point play opportunity. Uh, Morgan finished the rim and then went to the free throw line and that set up the missed free throw that, that McRoberts um, was able to rebound to get you on, on uh, going to the basket. So I, I just think that you're right. He managed the game incredibly well. And the thing I like about Archie is he's coaching this team in game. Like he coached his Dayton teams. He's not adjusting because they've got more talent. He's, he's, he's coaching the team as if every possession matters, as if every basket matters, as if every defensive possession matters, because you know what? At the end of the game, they do. And, and, and you know, those things add up and he's not letting them waste situations where they have a chance to A, get better and B, make a basket or make get a stop to win the game. And, and I really appreciate that. So um, he's, he's showing himself to be the coach that we thought he was when he took over. And I think we've known that all along, but I just thought it was really evident to today what he was doing and what he was trying to do. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, it was huge. I mean, I, I think he, you know, we'll get to game balls here in our next segment, but you know, it, obviously, you know, the play of Juwan Morgan was so I spectacular and, and then the hustle by Zach McRoberts was so great, but you know, we've really got to give a tip of the cap to Archie Miller today because yeah, uh, and I got to say something, not to cut you off, but uh, I, when I was in Maui at, at the Maui Invitational, which I know I'm going to keep dropping all year, but I interviewed Coach Bray about you know Notre Dame and about Bon. I wrote a feature on Bonzi Colson because I, I just love the way that kid plays. And I was interviewing him. And then at the end, I asked him sort of about, I told him, first of all, that A, 
I was an Indiana guy, so I was kind of upset that he'd kind of taken over basketball in the state of Indiana the last few years. And he laughed and couldn't have been a more affable, nice guy. And I was talking to him and I said, well, what, you know, can you assess the state of basketball in, in, in Indiana right now in the state of Indiana? And he said, look, there are so many good coaches in the state of Indiana right now that it's incredible. And he's like, and this is, this state is amazing for basketball. We love it. Uh, you look at it. And I had mentioned that I thought that he, you know, his team and Purdue were the two teams that were going to be sort of the two pinnacle teams this year in the state. And he said, yeah, man, but do not sleep on what, what Indiana is going to do under Archie. He is such a good coach. He's, I'm not looking forward to facing him. He is so good. He's so smart and he knows what he's doing and he's going to get that thing turned around fast. And, and, you know, he mentioned some stuff about Tom Crean said he loved Tom Crean. They were, they were friends and all this stuff, but he said that Archie Miller is a guy who's going to get what he gets out of his, get what he wants out of his team very quickly because of how good he is at what he does. And I thought that was really interesting coming from a guy who was going to have to face Archie in a few weeks and just saying, I don't want, I don't, I'm not looking forward to facing him and I'm not looking forward to facing him over the next few years because he's so good at what he does. And, uh, I just thought that was really impressive of, of Bray to admit that and to say, you know, to, to give the tip of his cap to, to, to Archie and, and, uh, and sort of mention him in, in such glowing terms. All right, fine. That was worth being interrupted for. Nice work. <laughs> just, just, just trying, you know. <laughs> All right. Coming up in our final segment of this victorious and celebratory episode of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 80-77 to victory over Notre Dame. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 80-77 to win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And the first step in our final segment is always the same now. We do our game balls. Uh, <laughs> should we make this like the non-Juwan Morgan edition? Because obviously Juwan Morgan gets the biggest game ball that they're possibly You can take Juwan Morgan. I'll take somebody else. Okay, fine. Fine. I like that. You can go first. Non-Juwan Morgan edition. All right. Well, if I'm going first, I'm taking no. Uh, I I will give it to I, I got to give it to Zach McRoberts. 31 minutes. Uh, didn't hit a field goal. I know it's starting off great for Zach. Uh, one of two, only one of two from the free throw line, but seven offensive rebounds, two defensive rebounds. He he almost had a almost had what I call a single double, where he he, had, <laughs> he would have had ten rebounds. Uh, but nine rebounds, three assists, a block, a turnover, only one turnover, four personal fouls, one point. That block but was he, awesome, by the way. Yeah, we it was. linger on that for a moment. And and then he boy. had the biggest play of the game, grabbing that offensive rebound over a first-team All-American in Bonzi Colson, who just looked at Zach McGarvin and said, yeah, I don't need to box this guy out. And, you know, went for the ball. McRoberts got it. And then again, as I said earlier, in traffic with three guys around him, finds the right guy, gets it to Morgan. He dunks it. Indiana takes their first lead in forever. And, uh, you know, that, that was the biggest play of the game. And Zach... It's not like it was an aberration. He did that all game and he worked and worked and worked. And again, he epitomizes what this team is, is just scrapping, working hard, you know, dive on the floor, get the ball, value possessions. I mean, all of it. He is the epitome of it. And there's a reason he's playing. And we talked about that this week is, is you know, you and I talked about it is, you know, should we should we be concerned that he's playing more and they're not developing the youngest? Like, no, this is the example he needs to set is that this gets you in the game. What Zach McRoberts does 
gets you in the game. You can have, you know, the four-star accolades and be an insane athlete like Justin Smith, but this is what gets you in the game is, is, is hard work and getting on the floor and making big plays. And, and that's what these young guys need to learn. And I'm not saying they don't do it. I'm just saying that Zach right now is doing it better than everybody on the team. And he's a huge part of what Indiana is doing. And he was an enormous part of the win today. Yeah, I think he might have earned some help with his uh, tuition and room and board and all that stuff. What do you say? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say anything. Whenever we get into scholarship math, everybody gets mad at me. <laughs> so for my game ball, look, I thought Robert Johnson was really good. We talked about the timing of his shots. I thought Archie Miller certainly deserved some kind of game ball. But Juwan Morgan was absolutely phenomenal. And it's one of the best individual performances by an Indiana player that I have seen in a long, long time. Uh, it's a game where the numbers are magnificent. 34 points, 11 rebounds, 13 of 17 from the field, 8 of 11 from the free throw line. And even that one free throw that he missed late, he comes right back and hit, you know, scores the go-ahead points. But I almost feel like the numbers don't even tell the full story. I mean, this is a game that, you know, Notre Dame is up by eight late. It kind of feels like, all right, you know, Indiana kind of fought close again, but we're going to lose another one of these. And I don't know what happened to Juwan when he went into the locker room after what looked like a tweaked hamstring, but he just came out a man possessed. And, you know, he both, you know, he played within himself. He didn't try to force anything, but he just had such a confidence. And, you know, Zach Osterman, I thought, wrote a really good profile of Juwan and and talked on the uh on, on his new podcast with Chronic Hoosier about how, you know, Jawan mentioned in the offseason, you know, in response to a, a question about the leadership issues from last year, you know, he said that's not going to be a problem this year. And look, the way that Jawan has played, he is absolutely right, because what he is doing right now is exactly what last season's team lacked, which is a guy to step up and be the leader and to be the go-to guy. And, and you know, it wasn't just you know, his superb offensive plays. He made hustle plays too. You know, one play uh, that we haven't mentioned yet, it was a play in the second half where, you know, Devontae Green almost turned the ball over uh, and Juwan hustles to the other end of the court, gets the ball, brings it up and ends up finding Devontae uh, who scored a bucket and got fouled. And that kind of hustle, you know, Juwan is doing the big things, you know, scoring the points, getting the accolades, getting the double doubles, but he's also doing the dirty work. And it's hard to find guys who will do both of those things. But he was absolutely phenomenal today. Ryan, you're right. I mean, he went toe to toe with an All-American and got the best of him. And his numbers ended up being better. His points ended up, you know, meaning more at the end of the game. And he put his team on his back. And so, uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure a game ball has been more obvious in a long time than Juwan Morgan today, who scores the final 12 points uh, of regulation uh, and then continues it on in overtime. Just a superb performance uh, from a guy who means everything to this team right now. And it's a little bit scary because we know about Juwan's injury history. And fortunately, he's, you know, kind of dodged a couple of bullets this year where he's, you know, gone down on the don't ground. Don't even and, bring the word up, Jared. Come on. No, no, no. Look, we don't need to be afraid of it. Let's let, we can face it. We can face it head on. I'm not, I'm not worried about a jinx now with Juwan. I mean, I think he's, he's showing that he's, you know, battling through whatever nicks and bruises he gets. And what we're seeing right now is just absolutely, uh, absolutely a magnificent player. The guy that, that Don Fisher was talking about in the offseason before last year, you know, where he kind of raised eyebrows by saying, you know what, Juwan Morgan has a chance to be one of the special players at Indiana. And I remember I heard that and kind of turned my head like, whoa. I mean, I know he had a, a decent freshman season, but one of the special players at Indiana? Well, Juwan today, as a junior, just turned in one of the elite performances in IU history for a big guy. Uh, and that's really saying something to get a huge victory. So kudos to Juwan. Hats off to Juwan. He was absolutely terrific today. 
Um, all right. So next, this is the the part in our program where we usually preview Indiana's next opponent, and that's where we rely on Andy Bottoms' encyclopedic knowledge of all teams in uh, in NCAA basketball to do so. Uh, but Indiana plays Fort Wayne next, and it's a quick turnaround. And, and Ryan. You know, you and I don't know much about Fort Wayne, so we don't need to delve much into the personnel and the matchups and all of that stuff. Payback is what I well, what I know. it is time for some payback. But here's the other thing: is I think this is going to be a really good test of the maturity of this team because you know you play an overtime game. A lot of guys played a lot of minutes, a lot of emotion today too. A lot of emotion, a big win. It's not like they have a long time to come down off this game and prepare. They play Monday against Fort Wayne. Now, maybe in this case, it'll actually work in Indiana's favor that that nasty loss from last year is so fresh in guys' memory because, you know, maybe we won't overlook Fort Wayne. Uh, but, you know, you come back, quick turnaround. I'm going to be really interested to see how we come out and play because, um, I mean, this is obviously a big game for Indiana. Now you got to go home and take care of business against Fort Wayne, Tennessee Tech, and Youngstown State. And so I think this is going to be a good test of our team's maturity here on Monday. Yeah, rack up some wins, guys. Get get clear of that 500 mark heading into Big Ten play. Getting 6-5 and five today was big, but get those next three wins. Lock them in. Maybe, you know, I, I'm not I'm not putting these in the win category yet, but maybe get some time for the younger guys a little bit, try and establish them a bit before you get into big 10 play, give guys like Morgan and Nick Johnson and uh, you know, a bit of a rest and Deron Davis, of course, give them a bit of a rest. Nick Roberts. Yeah. I mean, he's going to need it, man. He's going to be like Rudy in the locker room today, which is <laughs> ice patches everywhere, uh, ice packs everywhere. I, you know, but maybe get, you know, increase a guy like Hartman's minutes a little, increase a guy like Devon, Devon uh, Deron Davis's minutes a little, but then get them out second half, have a good lead, get Justin Smith, maybe get Clifton Moore some playing time, you know, get out, let Al Durham run the point for a bit, you know, things like that. Let them sort of get some time. Now, again, I'm not putting these in the win column yet, but I think that's the goal here is to get these guys, you know, play a good first half, get a solid lead and be able to sprinkle in these other guys, get them some some development. Because with foul trouble in the Big Ten, as we know, always comes up with injuries, whatever, you're going to need those guys. And so it'd be really nice to see them get some minutes and get some uh, playing time together over the next few weeks. That's your time to develop, guys. I think that in college football in the bowl season, you see these these teams get a lot of extra practice time. You see a lot of younger guys, especially unless you're in the playoff. You see a lot of younger guys get a lot of time in playoffs. That's when they develop or in, in in before bowl preparation. That's when they develop. I think this is a bit of a silly season in college basketball. Where you're just kind of racking up low level wins. Get these young guys a chance to play uh, before Big Ten season starts, and before the, you know, it might be tough to to get them on the floor uh, in Big Ten season early, especially. For what it's worth, Ken Palm has that game as an eighty-three to seventy-two Indiana victory with an eighty-five percent chance for IU to win. Uh, and the updated Ken Palm numbers: Indiana entered today eighty-third. They jump up to seventy-fourth with the win over Notre Dame. And Indiana's defensive numbers continue to creep up. You know they were down in the two hundreds at one point, now at one hundred and sixty on defense. And again, that I, I do not by any means think that Indiana has the one hundred and sixtieth best defense in the country. I mean, I think this no is, that Indiana State that Indiana State game is going to hang on them yep. for a long time. It's going to take a while. To 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 sort of and the Duke game too was a very you know a bad offensive game so I think that you look at those you knock those off and and the, and it looks a lot different but it's going to take time yeah and then that's where the context is important you know you look at the number and it tells you one thing but the trend is obviously very important and Indiana is trending in the right direction defensively right now what's funny is when, when Archie Miller got hired and we discussed it 
you know, on a couple of shows, really, we went a couple of shows on the radio show talking about Archie Miller and what to expect from his teams. And the one thing we always discussed were the preseason camp palm ranking and the postseason camp palm ranking. His teams get better. I mean, that is the one takeaway I had from looking at all the numbers from Dayton and, you know, looking at preseason expectations and then where they wound up, regardless of, of where they wound up as far as like rankings or, uh, you know, where they went in the tournament and all that, they got better throughout the year and they finished better than they were projected to start. And, and, and we're seeing that game to game. I mean, we're legitimately seeing that with Indiana, they are getting better. And that's all you can ask from a team in season is just to continually improve and be playing your best basketball at the end of the season. It doesn't matter if you beat Kansas in the opening game, like last year, if you fall off a cliff, I mean, that was great to beat Kansas, beat North Carolina who won the national title, but you've got to improve. And, and that's the thing this year. I think we're seeing is a team played maybe what will be its worst game of the year in the opener and then got better. And, 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 and that's just such a huge thing to see from Archie Miller and this team is that they're getting better and improving with every game. And you may not see it one game to the next, but you will see it in the trend over the few weeks. And it's certainly what we've seen so far. Man, it's crazy thinking back to to that Indiana State game and just how how helpless things felt. And now, you know, for how Indiana played today, it's amazing the kind of growth that they've made as a group and, and obviously the individuals in it's such been a quick period of time. Yeah, exponential growth. And and as, as Brian and I talked about on on when he was on the radio show, and he was a great guest on the radio show, and we had a great time talking. You know, totally basketball nerding out. But we talked about that the defense in that game wasn't bad on the interior. It was the it was the defense on the perimeter that was just so awful, but you've seen slowly it, the defense sort of like, you know, growing out and being better further away from the basket, just incrementally. And now you've got, you hold a team like Notre Dame, a phenomenal shooting team to, to eight of 24 from the perimeter. So again, just slow improvement and, and, um, and development. And hopefully it continues because if they yep. play like they did today, defensively, you can compete with anybody. You can't, you may not win, but you'll be in games, and that's all you can ask from a team is to be competitive with everybody. And 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 then you get a few guys to step up and make plays, and you can win games. Yep, yeah. You make some shots, and you, you get a guy to step up as your leader, as Indiana did today, and you can beat a really good team. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our discussion of Indiana's 80-77 to victory over Notre Dame, and that means that it is time for last call. Some final thoughts on today's victory. Ryan, what are you thinking? Uh, I just, I, you know, this is the big win of the Archie Miller era so far. I mean, I know it's a short time and people are saying, oh, it's a signature win. I hate that term. Uh, yeah, you need a big win to sort of hang your hat on. But, you know, I think if you're looking for the game that really told you what kind of team Indiana was going to be, it was the Duke game. And we already had that. You know, they didn't win and it's a moral victory, but a vastly under-talented team compared to Duke hung in with them and fought and clawed and you know, did whatever they could. They fought Louisville. I thought Louisville was an awful matchup for this team because of their length. It was just really a difficult game, but they fought and they stayed in that game despite not hitting shots and everything. Then you get the Notre Dame game today. Again, 
could have given up so many times and just rolled over, you know, when, when adversity hit, but they fought and they clawed and they scrapped and they won this game. And that's what this team's going to be. Now you think about Archie Miller and you project the talent he's going to have in the future. And not saying this isn't a talented team, it is, but it's also a team that is not hitting on all cylinders offensively, that the guys who are uber talented, maybe not playing their best and all that stuff. But you look at the future and what he's building with his recruiting class and, and what hopefully he's going to get in the future. You get a team that fights and scraps and claws and has the uh, you know top level talent. The sky is the limit for what this guy can build in Indiana. And I think you're looking at a team that is finally figuring it out and has been figuring it out over the last few weeks. We've been saying, oh, it looks like they're figuring it out over the last few weeks. They really have been and and turning a corner and 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 realizing, you know what, if we just play harder than everybody else and we play smarter than everybody else and we defend, we're going to be in every game this year. I mean, legitimately, you're going to be in every game if you do those things. And, and that's true of any team. And it's especially true of a team with the talent that Indiana has with a Jawan Morgan, with a Deron Davis. If Robert Johnson hits shots with a Robert Johnson, I mean, you've got the guys to compete with everybody. Now you just got to go do it. it it's not an, it, you know, it, there's nothing stopping Indiana but Indiana. And, and so if they play the way they are capable of, this team can compete with everyone. I'm not saying they're going to beat everybody, but they can be in games late, as I just said. And you make some shots, have some things go your way, have a guy step up, you can win games. Yeah, and Ryan, you and I have been pretty steadfast, you know, even since the offseason, talking about how, you know, you've said a lot, don't judge this team until late December, you know, and, and I've said that, you know, I still think this is a team that can finish fifth, sixth in the Big Ten, and I'm certainly not backing off of, of any of that, uh, because I, I thought this was a team that was going to start off pretty slow, but then, you know, be able to get it going and really improve, and, and hopefully they would be able to win one of these four tough non-conference games, and it took them until the fourth one but they did it. And I think that bodes really well for the progress that this program is making and for what this team can continue to be, you know, as we get into late December, as we get into January and February, you know, in a big 10 that, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of great teams. There's a lot of room for Indiana. If it continues to improve, you know, to be one of the better teams in the conference, I still think. And I know that seems crazy, you know, given a record of six and five, but with the progression that this team is making, I continue to think that. And, you know, I I don't know why you, why you watch Indiana basketball games. I think most of us watch Indiana basketball games, obviously, to be entertained and to see victories. But I think, you know, for a lot of us who have been longtime fans and who are alums of Indiana, we watch to, to be proud of our team. And I really thought today there were so many reasons to just be proud of Indiana. And, and sometimes you can be proud and your team still, you know, the effort still ends in a loss. But today, you know, you got to feel that pride and you got to see that victory. And it was for what the team was able to do collectively, that collective will to be down in the first half by 14 and come back and then down again by 13 early in the second half and come back and then down again by nine late in the second half and come back and then down by eight with four minutes to go and come back to just keep clawing back to not quit to take on that mentality of their coach and Archie Miller and then to follow the lead of Juwan Morgan, who has clearly stepped up as the leader was great to see and, and to watch Juwan Morgan really spread his wings and really just you know demand the ball and really grow into the position of a leader to see a guy like Zach McRoberts you know get so much time and to make so many big plays with it to see Robert Johnson who's been so maligned step up and make big shot after big shot in the second half even to see a guy like Devontae Green make a few really poor plays but step up and hit that big three when his team needed it 
there were just so many reasons to be proud of this team and proud of these guys today. Uh, and that's what I walk away from today feeling. It's a huge win. Indiana wins 80 to 77 and just so many reasons to feel proud of the team and encouraged about the direction, not just the big picture direction of the future of the program. I think we've all been pretty solid with that. But even, Ryan, as you mentioned, just the direction of this particular team and what they can do this particular season, I think this game showed that there's still a lot possible for this group of Hoosiers. All right. And that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And definitely don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter so that you get our six banner Sunday news roundups and also so that you get our detailed post-game analysis emails, which I very much look forward to writing after this victory. All right, that'll do it. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Monday night after IU Fort Wayne. I believe, we'll, uh, Ryan, are you in for that one? Or are you out for that one? Working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, I think Andy will be back, so we might have the whole crew back. We will see, but we will definitely have a show for you, as we always do after IU Fort Wayne. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.